everybody. Get ready for Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. A foodie born and bred, my wife Nikki loves chatting up chefs, dining out, and insider industry buzz. And my husband David thinks a great meal is nothing but a good burger, a frosty brew, and a chef for under $20. Because he is cheap. Well, maybe so, but foodie married beast anyway. And together we've got the food and wine variety show that has everyone talking. It's Foodie and the Beast, and we are on now. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis on this gorgeous Sunday. I feel glad to be here. We just drove 700 miles in the last two days. <laughs> I'm like it's been a lot of travel. I'm a stoner today, but I'm going to do the show. So... There is no doubt that in the history, the eight-year history of this show, there's a more prolific cookbook author than Domenica Marchetti. I mean, every, how does she do it? Every time I turn around, she's pumping out another one, and everyone is more engaging and interesting than the, its predecessor. But the best part is, they're all about Italian food Italian in some food. way, shape, or form. See, si, come no. <laughs> okay. So her new one is called Preserving Italy: Canning, Curing, Infusing, and Bottling Italian Flavors and Traditions. Uh, it's a Houghton Mifflin book. That's a big-time publisher, girl. <laughs> I like that. So uh, Dominica's on today, and we're going to talk about her new book and try some stuff she brought, whatever that is. <laughs> Can you tell us what it is? It's strawberry cream liqueur. It's right, like it's an a, adult milkshake. Right. Really. It's not stuff. It's uh, a liqueur. There are no adults here. All right. Go ahead. <laughs> not my husband, that's for sure. All right. And we love this guy and his food. Chef Tim Ma is coming back in studio. Um, he hasn't been in a quite a while because he's had so many projects that he's been working on. Most recently, he opened up Curacao over in Shaw, and it is killing it. He's going to talk all about what he's doing there. All right. And you what else do I have? Oh, yeah. This. So Mason Dixie Biscuit Co. will hold its first <laughs> annual ever music, food, and arts festival. They're calling it the Biscuit Jam, and it is Saturday, August 6th in Ivy City. And in today to talk about it is Molly Ruland. She is with the One Love Massive Artist Collective, and I have learned more about what she does in the last 10 minutes. She's doing some of the coolest things in this city for its culture and food and art, and she's going to tell us all about this great festival and what other things she's up to, and she brought us biscuits. And How she about brought you in a very cool sticker that I can't, it's got one of the bad seven words on it, so I'm just going to hold it up to the mic, so you can, <laughs> because radio is the theater of the mind. <laughs> so if you love fresh seafood, expertly prepared, then you want to hear from uh, Fairhout Yeltsin, <laughs> Who is the executive chef and chef and owner of Drift on Seventh Street in Shaw? Uh, you might remember him from Corduroy. He was from over a long there time with Tom, ago. Yeah, mm-hmm. many moons ago. But he's brought in uh, tastes and talk of uh, what he's doing in the kitchen over there. And what would a foodie in the beach show be without drinks, huh? For some cocktails. For a at couple the very of alcoholics least. like us, you gotta have them. So Saif Bergawi, Bargawi, did I do it right? Yes. Sir. Oh God bless me. He's the lead bartender at. Now, is it? B O E? Bow. Bow. Like, bow. Sounds bow. like a bow tie. Yeah. Like Botox. Um, <laughs> he actually was, you were at Oya originally, right? Yes, I've been doing Yeah. Bow was Oya. Bo was Oya, but, but you were I started were, out Oya, back, so I yeah. opened Oya. Don't interrupt me. I, I got the mic. <laughs> I have the mic. I have a mic, too. And I'm in charge here, just <laughs> okay. like Alexander Haig was, okay. for those of you old enough to remember him. Nobody so, knows what you're talking about. Of course. So we're going to get to you in a sec. Uh, we've got Mike Koch on the phone. Mike is the executive director of Fresh Farm Markets, and he's here to, as always, to update us on what's happening at the markets. Hey, Mike. Hi, guys. Hi. How, how are you? How is it out there today? Well, today I'm at Annapolis, at our uh, Fresh Farm Annapolis market, and we're down by the water, and it's absolutely gorgeous. Oh, God, it must be stunning. I'm sort of jealous. Well, tell us what's at the market today. Well, so um, I'm here to celebrate the Buy Local Cook-Off, which is an annual event that the Maryland governor holds, and he's got an event this Thursday that will kick it off, and then the last week of July is – uh, buy local challenge where the governor challenges everyone to shop locally. So uh, it's a great thing. Right. So how do how does Fresh Farm work in incorporating that? Because I got the information on that. It sounds like a great initiative, but how can people get involved in it? Um, it's terrific, and you can get involved by just visiting a shop, uh, visiting and shopping at a farmer's market. You know, we love data at Fresh Farm, and mm-hmm. we've calculated that a quarter million shoppers have visited one of our 13 farmers market this this season and that's terrific we're celebrating that it's a great way to support the livelihoods of our farmers mm-hmm. and uh you know support a healthy food shed so 
uh, the governor's event just shines the light on that and, you know, it challenges us all to get out and shop at farmer's market, buy no. local, buy fresh. Right. I totally agree with you. I think it's an incredible thing yeah. for the governor to do. Um, now, yeah. you guys have a lot of great products at market right now. I mean, we're sort of at like, are we like at that moment where like everything is at the market or do we have a, another week or two until it's really exploding? Oh, probably another week or two, but it's happening fast. So Mm -hmm. the heat is bringing out, you know, the nightshades and the peppers. We're um, celebrating these beautiful um, fairy tale eggplant, which are uh, almost mini little jewels. Is that the one that becomes a carriage when you wish for it? Yes, if you wish really hard. (laughs) Okay, I will, Mike. I will. (laughs) Mike, don't help me, okay? Yeah, I know. They're uh, variegated purple and white, and they're they're tender. You can actually cook them with the skin. Yum. Uh, and then peppers, peppers galore, um, you know, from Anaheim's, which are mild, to bananas, to jalapenos, to, you know, ghost peppers. Experiment with them. And, uh, but you, you know, guys, so- can I ask you a question? Like, for some of this sure. produce that you have at the market that people maybe – aren't familiar with or don't know what to do with what kind of what kind of assistance can fresh farm give for that do you guys have recipes available or a place where people can go yeah so everybody knows we're social right so Mm -hmm. we're on twitter and facebook and we're also on pinterest and there's a really robust and beautiful set of photographs and recipes of the local food that you can get at our market so visit us on pinterest and follow okay great idea all right mike tell everybody where they can find you please Freshfarm.org. All right. Thanks. We'll talk to you next week. Okay. Thanks, guys. Bye. Okay. So safe. Let's talk about Bo. What what happened to Oya? Why Bo? And what is Bo's concept? Bo is a new American flair, American flair with a twist of Asian. So we have a few things that we brought back from Oya, and we just want to change the concept, just like new thing to D.C. But, you're, but you totally changed the interior because, like, Oya used to be all white. Yes, now it's and all uh, rustic. And, uh, it's all rustic. Mm-hmm. It's just different. Totally different yeah, feel. Different. So let's talk about the cocktail program. What are you guys doing there? Cocktail, what we're trying to bring here is the uh, sous vide method. Sous vide is... Uh, to cocktails? Yes, Interesting. The cocktails are used for in the kitchen. Most uh, right. chefs come from France. So it has usually when you do sous vide cooking, it brings better flavor. Is sous vide the best way to describe it to people who don't understand? It's it's like steaming it. It's encased in a thing. Isn't well, it? no, it's it's circulated in a single temperature. So usually it's it's put in like a bag or something, right? Yes, right? Like bag, exactly. And then it's put into a sous vide, uh-huh, yeah. right? But then it's circulated in that temperature. Anywhere, and, anywhere in the container, it just has the same temperature. Right. So, so everything is. How does that? Is that? A, I mean, translate that to cocktails. It's very effective in cocktails. So what we do? We take a vodka and then you. Throw some vanilla beans in a mason sealed mason jar, and you put it there, and it just absorbs all the flavors. Oh. So it, comes so it just makes great. it sort of happen faster. Is that what the sous vide does? So you can leave it for days if you mm-hmm. want to take your time with it. So is that a new thing? That you're yeah, trying? it's a new thing. Yeah, cool. it's a new thing. It's the first time anybody's been in studio and yeah, has done that. All right, cool. cool. So yeah. what do you? What are we going to try first? The porn star. The porn star is <laughs> <laughs> Star. It's made with uh, vanilla beans, passion fruit, mm-hmm. has also a fresh lemon juice, mm-hmm. and um, shaken. Also has uh, chambord in there. Wow! So we do just shake it, serve it, and the garnish is a dollar bill, and then you get a shot of uh, prosecco with that. Okay. The garnish is a dollar bill. Yes, <laughs> for the porn star. Yeah, the, porn star. the name, the name, the name, and the garnish is all right. Not, all right. You just got a new customer. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, you get to making that, and we're going to get to our first guest. Now let's talk to the prolific. Do you write with both your left and right hands at the same <laughs> and time? Her feet. So uh, I'll give you two seconds of Domenica's background because she's a cookbook author. She's a food journalist. Uh, she's written on Italian cuisine and Italian home cooking for the Post for food and wine, for tons of other people. And this is her, you know, this is your seventh book? This is my seventh book. Oh, my God, it's insane. I mean, and and every time you're in here, I remember the glorious pasta of Italy Mm -hmm. and glorious vegetables of Italy. The only one you haven't written is the glorious David Nellis of Italy. That's coming. (laughs) And she particularly likes Abruzzo, which is fine. It's where my family's from. But Florence is better. Well, we'll find out. I'm just telling you. Okay. So why this book? So uh, a couple of reasons. Um, for one thing, I 
really wanted to recreate uh, a recipe that my grandmother used to make, which is for amarene soto spirito, which means sour that cherries. That sounds easy for you to say. So Go ahead. amarene soto spirito. Sour. Amarene soto yeah, spirito. Bravo. Non capisci nulla. Which means sour cherries and alcohol. Um, and so this is something she used to make every year. She used to sun-dry sour cherries, very uh -huh. small Italian cherries, and um, then mix them with sugar and let them marinate and uh, finally add booze to the mixture, brandy and, and uh, alcohol. And um, I have very fond memories of these cherries. When she passed away, she did not leave a recipe, and I decided I was going to make it my mission to recreate this recipe. Okay. Um, as I was working on that, I just started to explore the whole issue of, of preserves in Italian cooking, uh -huh. and I realized that they're really integral to Italian food and the Italian table. Um, no matter where you go, the, from the salumi, you know, the uh, cured meats and the cheeses, which cheese being the ultimate uh, preservation of milk, to... Um, I never thought of it that yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. To, you know, vegetables preserved in oil, vegetables preserved in vinegar. Mm -hmm. If you go to a restaurant in Abruzzo, you always have your peperoncino sotolio, little hot pepper in oil. Right. Um, to the end of the meal, where you are served. I want to go to Italy. <laughs> At the end of the meal, you get your house-made liqueur. So every, there's all forms of preserved foods on the Italian table. And I really felt they were worthy of uh, exploration. Well, some of these preserved foods, I mean, the, the you know, have been around for really centuries. Centuries. Yes. So. Are the techniques the same, or have they been, like, modernized? Well, I assume That's also it's regional, question. too. Yeah, like, it's very regional. So there are some, uh, you know, like mostarda, which right. is uh, fruit suspended in a very spicy syrup spiked with uh, mustard essence. Mm -hmm. That is something, until very recently, that you would just see in Lombardia and parts of Emilia-Romagna and the Veneto. Mm -hmm. um, very particular to that area, served with your favorite bolito misto, the boiled uh, meat. Accidenti alla Madonna. <laughs> terrible stuff. Ugh. But um, then in Abruzzo, we have something called mosto cotto, mm -hmm. which is basically cooked down fresh grape must. And they make it with Montepulciano d'Abruzzo mm -hmm. um, grape must over there. And it's a condiment. It's it's um, You can drizzle it on fresh ricotta. Mm -hmm. But in the days Is before... Is it sort of a... a like a, a vinegar -y? No, it's no, not it's vinegar. It's, it's sweet. It's, it's sweet. It's, it's, um, but like balsamic vinegar, when it's reduced greatly, but, is sweet. Not yes, in the same capacity. It is, but there's no mm -hmm. acidity to this. It's okay. basically... It's not wine. It's not fermented. It's not the wine. It's actually the fresh grape must. And... Um, it's not aged like balsamic okay. vinegar. It's just cooked down very slowly on the stovetop until it becomes thick and kind of syrupy. Mm. And then you let it age for a few months, and it becomes kind of raisiny and spicy in flavor. And so they drizzle it on ricotta, but they also bake with it because before sugar was vi widely available, it was a sweetener for baked goods. Sure. So when I was working on the book, I thought, well, where the heck am I going to find Montepulciano d'Abruzzo grapes? We can't <laughs> find them here. But I actually sent out a tweet to Virginia winemakers asking if somebody would supply me with some fresh grape must, and I got a tweet back from the wonderful Michael Haney of, um, of uh, Horton Vineyards. Sure. So I went down to Charlottesville and came back with a bunch of jugs of fresh grape must, and I um, made various forms of mostocotto using Tanat grapes and Shiraz and um, a couple of other, um, Norton, which is indigenous to Virginia. Right. So How cool. It was, it was a lot of fun. All right, we have to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll talk more about the kinds of things that you can find in Preserving Italy. This is David and Nikki Nellis with Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a minute. Back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis, and we are talking to Domenica Marchetti, who is, you've probably been on the show, I don't know if you might be our Steve, times, or Steve right? Martin. Yeah. A lot of people vying Alec for Baldwin. that honor. But she's got a new cookbook out called Preserving Italy, and it's all about canning, curing, infusing, and bottling Italian flavors mm -hmm. and traditions. 
So this is delicious. But well, why don't you tell us what we're having? You okay, this tell is us delicious. what we're having. So we're having uh, crema di fragola, which is cream of strawberry liqueur. You macerate fresh strawberries, farmers market strawberries, like Obviously. fresh farmers market. Yes, mm-hmm. um, in alcohol, you can use a hundred proof vodka, but I prefer Everclear because it's stronger. <laughs> And then uh, you add... My God, we're not getting out of here today. <laughs> Thank <laughs> like God Molly just down that. That's a problem. Yeah. <laughs> and then you mix it with sugar and cream and milk. Mm-hmm. So you would basically have an adult milkshake. And uh, yeah. All right. Would you make it so, sound easy? So but when the, do people drink this? Like, so is this something served? Like, where is this served in I Italy? drink it right now. You no, can drink it. I mean, you could certainly drink it at brunch, but um, it would be an after-dinner drink, like a cordial, you know, mm-hmm. um, uh, instead of an amaro, maybe, you would okay. have it. Um, or after lunch. I actually, the first time I had it was um, in Abruzzo, in this very rustic restaurant where you um, uh, grill, you have grilled meats, and you, it's a picnic area, and um, so the house, the uh, owners made just like took out their house made liqueurs and this was one of them and so all right so but here's the thing because sometimes people who write cookbooks write it for themselves and it's like reading a chemistry book okay but you so, already know that she doesn't do that no well read her i don't book. know what she does no but how how user-friendly are the recipes this is uh, i mean all my books are user-friendly because um my dirty little secret is that i'm not a chef i'm a cook and so and my that's your dirtiest yes. secret Pretty much. Yeah. Right, you got to get a mic there, Cut the mics. Right, let's find out what it is. Her husband Scott is here. Scott is that her dirty? <laughs> I mean, really, you're pretty tame. I am. I am. Too tame for this show. Oh no, I keep trying. But anyway, no. So the the recipes are very user friendly. I know a lot of people are intimidated about the thought of preserving food and keeping it safe, but there are explicit instructions for everything. And there's, um, you know. Canning user wa- using water bath canning. Mm-hmm. There is um, even simpler. There are some uh, preserves that are in olive oil. It's a very traditional way of preserving Italian food. Is instead of vinegar, it's in olive oil. So um, Mike was talking about all those peppers that are at the farmers right. markets now. So you can roast them and marinate them in a wonderful sweet and sour vinegar brine, and then you just put them in a jar, top them off with the oil, and you store them in the fridge. And, and that so lasts. They're simple. They right. last for months. You know, they, they last a long time. Can you do that with tomatoes, too? Like, if you were to, like... If you were to roast tomatoes yes. and let them like cook down yes, for a lo- like can. slow and low, and in fact, there's, just... there's a recipe in the book for that. You can do oven roasted tomatoes, low right. and slow, and then you pack them in jars and uh-huh. cover them completely with olive oil, and they will stay for a long time in the refrigerator. Done yeah. and done. Okay. Yeah. Right. Tell everybody where that you can find your book. So um, my website, dominicacooks.com, you can find a link to um, Amazon and other mm-hmm. purveyors and uh, probably a lot of bookstores, too. I would hope so. Thank you again for joining us today. Italy. Thanks yes. for having Thank me. Thank you. All right. So, Safe, let's go back to you and talk about the, the, the menu at Bo. Wait, and how... can we just talk about your gorgeous glassware? Oh. I'm obsessed. It's Nobody so can see it. It's so pretty. You're well, this is radio, so I'm explaining the beautiful etched glassware. It's stunning. It's, uh, it's simply your, stunning. Are it, most of the, your cocktails served in pretty glassware? Yes, they all served in a coupe. This drink most is of them pretty much delicious. It is. It's a really good drink. Uh, yeah, it's not that strong. But yes. talk about the menu and then how you collaborate with the chef to you know because you can't do these in a void, right? Yeah, you can't actually. The menu has uh, it's uh, an American flair menu, which just has uh, we have steaks, we have nice uh, snapper, fish. Also, we have uh, throwbacks from Oya, like uh, sushi rolls in there, the briskets, banana bread pudding. No, you're getting prompted <laughs> off. <laughs> uh, but as you were developing the new cocktail menu for the restaurant when it changed over, what were some of the things that you wanted to see in the menu? Um, Think. Okay, all right, think. or not. All right, that's Let's, you can think about that while well, we go to our next guest, but you can make okay. your next cocktail. All right, all right. so okay. are we, would you want, are we... Yeah, let's go with Molly. All right, Molly. Hi, Molly. Hi, hey. Molly. So Molly is a unique and extraordinary person who walked in here and won my heart right away. Uh, let, uh, let's, can we start from the start? Here it is. The Mason Dixie Biscuit Company is hosting its first annual music, food, and arts festival called Biscuit Jam on Saturday, August 6th in Ivy City. Now, Molly is with the One Love Massive Artist, Artist Collective. It's about 150 musicians, DJs, artists, and all that from all over D.C. who are going to provide live 
art installations at the event, correct? Indeed. So let's so. talk about that because, you know, I think around D.C. there's all these fabulous food festivals, but the incorporation of art is not a part of it. So can you explain what this means <clears throat> in this particular event? For sure. Well, I think, uh, you know, the, the biggest goal that One Love Massive has uh, with street art is to bridge the gap between illegal street art and legal street art. Um, and it's a, it's a difficult time for street artists. A lot of people are getting arrested for running around with cans of spray paint or for doing wheat paste. Yeah, that's um, not that's not street art. That's <laughs> uh, well, no, I mean there that's is a depends. lot of, there is a lot of street art. There is just tagging, and nope. then there's throw ups, and then there's street art, and they're like very different types of things. But when you have um, organizations flying artists in from other cities and from around the world and paying them to do the same thing that they're arresting local people for, yeah. it's a problem. And when you're selling condos based on how cool the city is and how urban the city is and how beautiful the city is, but then you're arresting the people that are ma- doing that, there's a problem. So One Love's goal is to bridge the gap between that. So we bring street artists out of the shadows and we bring them to these events so that they can paint uh, without uh, you know persecution, without risking their lives, because frankly, it's not a great idea to run around with a can of spray paint and a hoodie on uh, in this particular climate. Right. So uh, instead of having to risk their, their lives and their freedom, we bring them out, we allow them a safe place to paint. Uh, we allow people access to talk to them and then access to be able to buy some of that painting and bring it home to recognize that these are just artists. They're not criminals. They're mm-hmm. artists. And Good so point. how does that get incorporated into this event? So we're going to do a, what we call a toucan jam at the Biscuit Jam, okay. um, which uh, which is an invention that me and my, my best friend came up with, actually. And it's uh, we give uh, artists all the same canvas, and we give them the same amount of time, and we give them the same cans of paint. Uh, and then we let them paint for about two hours, and then we stop and we do a silent auction. Uh, and it's really cool to see, you know, six to ten different interpretations of art on the exact same canvas with the same exact. You know what? It's I like, a, that. It's that like a cooking really competition. Cool. Right. Speaking of which, you don't bogart those biscuits. Hey, man. Come on. Come on. Pass them. He wants yeah, you to pass them down. Well, <laughs> There's you know, uh, some regular you ones. You should have brought There's some, some of your jam. Some cheese. Right? <laughs> well, we've got some uh, some jam here. from Jam is good. From the... Uh, to enhance the biscuit jam, if mm-hmm. you will. Mm-hmm. So what kind of musicians will be at this event? Um, it's actually a really nice, eclectic, diverse uh, mixture of, uh, of, of jam bands and bluegrass bands and mm-hmm. folk and things like that. Um, but it's a really nice, diverse mix, so I think it's really a good uh, depiction of D.C. Now, music. did you help Mason Dixie figure out the location, or was that something that they did on their own? Um, it was a kind of a combination. We were looking at different venues and different things, but ultimately they really wanted to be in Ivy City. So they partnered with um, with a local developer, Ali, here on mm-hmm. one of his properties. Um, okay. And so we're activating that whole space, you know. Mm-hmm. And what does that inc- – so for people who don't know, so what, what will the other foods be? How will it look? Um, there's the six the food trucks. There's going to be um, Derek uh, Brown is doing a pop-up bar from, mm-hmm. from 7th Street. We love um, Derek. Yeah, yeah he's do. awesome for sure. Um, we'll be doing the live art. We're going to be doing uh, projection 3D mapping inside the uh, structure. You okay, know, what does that mean? Um, so it's where you take uh, you, you project onto a building, but then you map out the space and you actually make it come to life so you can isolate windows or you can isolate spaces and only project in there. And actually make a building look like it's coming to All right. life. What's that got to do with biscuits? Let's talk about that. Sure, Why absolutely. Mason, what ha, what I mean, who owns Mason Dixie Biscuit Company? They've been on the show. I know, but I mean, and why are they interested in this? Well, I'll tell you why they're interested. Because they got their start in, in the local community. They've been cooking out at Ivy City. You know, mm-hmm. they're in Union Market. They have their first pop-up. Um, they got their start doing a Kickstarter. I mean, they, you know, partnered with the right people, did a great Kickstarter. The community really embraced them and really supported them, and they wanted to, they wanted to turn around and, and thank the community for that support um, in the community, you know, in the same community and for the same community, supporting the same community. So mm-hmm. all the incubators at Union Kitchen that are involved in Ivy City are represented there. Um, right. Bicycle Space is doing a pop-up there. I mean, they really, you know. <laughs> we just had them on. Union right, Kitchen Union was Kitchen was last week. Right. Yeah. So, we I mean, it's really, it's a, it's a really great representation of, you know, what it means to be supported by a community and then turn around and support it right back. And I really love the fact that they've stayed in Ivy City. And I think we need to say something. Sure. These biscuits are yummy. They're, They're amazing, light. Aren't they? Delicious. <laughs> they almost didn't last the Uber ride over. <laughs> <laughs> 
I could be a biscuit junkie. Easily. All right, so how do people get in on this event? Um, if you go to Eventbrite, we have tickets. There's all kinds of great specials. I think there was like a two-for-one special going on. They also have a 25% off code. Mm-hmm. I think it's I Love Biscuits, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Um, but we've got some really great sponsors. DC Brow is in there with local beer. Sure. Um, we've got Jim Beam serving up some cocktails. Right. Um, we've got, you know, all kinds of great partnerships on the table. Petco, it's a dog-friendly, kid-friendly event. Okay. So How did yeah. you guys select the uh, the artists? I mean, you've got 150 members. Who who got in? Who didn't get in? How For did this make, event or in general? Yeah, how, no, well, well, both. Actually. Well, so I have 160 artists in our collective, and that's uh, primarily musicians and performers. Uh, I have uh, a, another large group of artists that I work with that are not necessarily under our umbrella. Um, and so I go to them based on... Um, different things, different artists are, you know, um, different artists can do different things, just mm-hmm. like different chefs and different, uh, you know, personalities and type of things. So it just depends on the event uh, and what people want to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, the main goal is just to to remind, you know, to, to make sure the relationship between the people doing the event and the artist is good uh, and they're not asking artists to, like, spray paint logos and right. other mortal how do How do we join the collective? <laughs> Um, well, we have a talent director named Chadwick Alexander. He's amazing. Um, if you uh, send him some information or if you tweet us or Instagram us or Facebook us, we'll review your information. Uh, we pick our collective members based on um, talent and uh, diversity. So so my band can get in. Well, it depends. <laughs> as I mean, you soon send as me I your demo, you know? start one. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. All right, that's great. Thanks. Well, let's just tell people once more where they get tickets and information. Absolutely. Eventbrite, if you go to uh, Mason Dixie Biscuit Co., if you go to One Love Massive, if you go on Eventbrite and you look up Biscuit Jam, um, the hashtag is Biscuit Jam DC. Mm-hmm. Um, so all those things will be there. You can also fo- follow us, One Love Massive, as the uh, hashtag as well for that. Great. Excellent. All right. Okay. Well, thanks so much for coming in yeah, today and joining us. Well. It sounds like an amazing event. All right. Just tell us quickly, what are you going to be mixing up next? It's going to be the Jezebel, which is uh, infused black. Blackberry vodka. Mm-hmm. Uh, it has uh, Saint Germain, uh, white cranberry juice, and uh, fresh lemon. There's a lot of implied sexuality to the name of every drink. <laughs> <laughs> All enough. right, and on that note, we're going to take a break. This is David and Nikki Nellis <laughs> with Foodie and the Beast. We'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back to Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. I just want to say there is a lot of good-looking food there is. staring me in the eyeball. Goodbye, paleo diet today. And it's all over. every day. All right, so if you were, are, are and were a fan of Corduroy, you're going to remember Fairhot Yeltsin, who was the executive. He's now executive chef and owner of Drift on 7th Street in Shaw, but he was over there in the kitchen for how many years? Many years. Uh, I actually worked at Corduroy about 10 years. Yeah, 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 a long time. not even once I was in the kitchen. No? Were no. you out front? Yes, I was always uh, front of the house. Oh, I thought you were in the kitchen. No. Well, I did help sometimes yeah. dishwashing. All right. But, uh, <laughs> that, 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 that and was and they had the cleanest dishes at Corduroy. All right, my bad. So now you've opened... Drift. Uh, I did, yes. On 7th Street. And it's, a, 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 I've got this right, it's primarily seafood, right? Correct, yes. So, tell us about it. Why Drift? Seafood. So, I have this obsession with seafood, right? I'm from Istanbul, Turkey, where I grew up by the water, literally, mm-hmm. eating a fresh fish oil pretty much every day. And uh, I have another restaurant in College Park. It's called Fishnet. It's a right. fish sandwich uh Fish sandwich shack, we Actually, can say. that should be the name of one of their drinks, Fishnet. Yeah, well, why not? Yeah, maybe we'll do something together. I'm just, <laughs> sorry, I'm just a horny old coot. I can't help it. So, yeah, I had uh, this great obsession with seafood, and I really wanted to bring something affordable that uh, wouldn't break the bank. And at the same time, sustainable, you know, like super fresh, everything is cooked to order. And just, you know, like the menu is based on my travels. Uh, I used to travel back when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, so I decided to open this, you know what, yeah, let me do this. It's a super uh, vacation-themed restaurant with, where we are playing like reggae music in the restaurant. And the vibes are really nice and cool. It's a relaxing uh, place. But so when it comes to fish, how do you yes. take sort of your, multi, like your multi-traveled background Correct. and apply it to what's available here in D.C.? 
so I did uh, visit like Puerto Rico like multiple times and Mexico multiple times. So mm-hmm. ceviche is actually coming from there. I had like mul- uh, ceviches multiple times yeah. mm-hmm. in in there. So ceviche is just my riff on the on the dish. Okay. Uh, it is beautiful. Besides that, I do actually apply some of the Turkish cooking, mm-hmm. uh, which I it's not on the menu, but it used to be, which had a Turkish stew, mm-hmm. uh, and I was using a bluefish on it in okay. that. So that's like part of it. And but do you find that sometimes you like take an international recipe and incorporate local ingredients instead, just to make it work? Well, yeah, I, I try that, and if it works, it works. If it doesn't, then, uh, then it, doesn't it, beca- it, it becomes a family meal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're not eating that, this tonight. Not that there's anything wrong with that. Because um, you always got to feed your staff. Yeah, but uh, some of the stuff that I'm really influenced by, uh, you know, Tom Power, because I really thought that he's like one of the best soup makers in the city. Mm-hmm. So I do lobster bisque on the menu. I have a local corn soup right now. I have a corn chowder. Uh, sorry, not a corn chowder, but seafood chowder mm-hmm. uh, until last month, you know. It's too hot right now, so it doesn't really make sense. No. Mm. Wait a minute. But, this what? is a sort of an untraditional approach to ceviche. This Correct. Is awesome. It is Thank really you. good. Thanks. Oh, so what you're eating is actually a, a rockfish ceviche, and mm-hmm. it is infused with uh, lemon, lime, and jalapeno mm. citrus. There's some sea salt, uh, local corn, organic avocado, you know, uh, some olive oil from California, mm-hmm. and uh, cilantro and balsamic. Well, I love that the corn is raw. I love yes. raw corn. So it's delicious. It adds just the right crunch mm-hmm. to it. So you said you want to make seafood affordable, and Correct. seafood is notoriously not, not affordable. affordable. So yes. how do you go about doing that? Because that's the hardest part. Well, I do have good connections with the, you know, like some of the suppliers. Mm-hmm. That I know uh, back from Corduroy, so uh, they can really provide me with what I'm looking for. Mm-hmm. They know my view of the restaurant, what mm-hmm. I would like to do. And, uh, you know, I just don't charge much <laughs> on the food. Okay, everybody. He's wearing a barrel instead of clothing. Everybody go to Drift on 7, because not right. only is the food Quick. good, but Before the, the prices go up. No, but I mean, is there, because there's so many restaurants that are looking to source the freshest Seafood, the freshest Correct. products. Is there almost? I mean, it's almost counterintuitive that you would be able to 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 do it and keep prices low because there's such a battle for product and that pushes the prices up. True. Yes, uh, especially when it comes to let's say uh, social crabs are in season right now and the demand goes high right. and the supply is not much, then that drives the prices like crazy up. Mm-hmm. So what do you do? Uh, don't use social. Right. No, but I think that's a. I think that's an excellent answer. I think, especially you know, when we talk about sustainability, Correct. we've had lots of people come in studio to talk about, you know, how to be more sustainable in our seafood options. I mean, do you offer sort of um, lesser known fish as a way to educate the palate and also be softer on the pocketbook? Exactly. Yes, uh, that's one of my uh, actually visions. Mm-hmm. So let's say bluefish. Mm-hmm. I used I love, to I, I used to catch bluefish uh, back in you know Istanbul and. We would just go like nighttime, you know, because mm-hmm. you catch that fish pretty much nighttime. It's good it to use dynamite comes, comes too. To that brings them right up to the sea. Uh, maybe not. <laughs> <laughs> Don't like bluefish or Spanish mackerel are mm-hmm. really great fish, really bold flavor, strong, oily texture. That that fish grills great, both of them. But uh, Americans are a little shy of bluefish and mackerel because they're oily. Blue, isn't blue in the tuna family? Am I right about that or no? no? Uh, I am not quite sure on that. He's wrong. He's, no, I don't true. think I'm wrong. You are wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, true. There is an idea of in states that, you know what, this fish is so fishy. Actually, it's not. Right. You know, it's bold flavor fish. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I like to eat. You know, like I if I'm eating snapper, yes, snapper is a great fish. Right, but it takes but on the flavor of whatever you're putting with e- it. Exactly, yes. So you don't get the same thing with bluefish or Spanish mackerel or mm-hmm. even mahi-mahi. You know, mm-hmm. Those are like strong-flavored fish. I also have a silver hake on the menu, which is a very mm-hmm. – it's a fish that's not really known. But uh, the texture is super flaky. It's a white meat fish. It's a cold-water fish coming from, like, Alaska and Maine region. Mm-hmm. Uh, it fries excellent. You know, I have fish and chips on the menu, which I uh, use hake. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's another fish, you know, like a lot of people are actually having a hard time pronouncing it. Hake, is that, what is it? Uh, you <laughs> just know, just, tell them it, they should it, try it. Whatever you want to call it, but <laughs> it, it is just delicious. You know? <laughs> so that's 
So they, I got a laugh. That was good. Mm-hmm. Hake is good, by the way. Hake is great. I, Hake, I love it. Hake, and, and you know what? My, well, let me just jump in because so, so many, like. Well, you're really going off that paleo diet, I'll be aren't quiet. You? Cod is, is something. Uh, cod for me is a problem because it's so flaky and uh-huh. flavorless, really. Hake has a really strong like personality. Cod. And I don't know why people would be afraid of it. I mean, it's a delicious. Fish. Well, one reason they might be afraid because it is really scary looking. <laughs> so, like it's got, it's like, an ugly it, fish. it is very ugly. It's like a monster looking fish. Mm-hmm. But the other thing is, it's really not that known. Mm-hmm. You know, when it comes to seafood, I really think that there's a like few cliches in this. Uh, in this culinary thing, you know, like... Everybody a, wants their salmon. Yeah, people Everybody love salmon. Tuna. People love tuna. Mm-hmm. People, you know, just, oh, you know what? I just want to eat, like, tilapia. I mean, uh, yeah, no, no offense, but like you don't want to eat tilapia. Fish. Yeah, <laughs> you don't eat tilapia. Yeah. I know. It's really dirty. Let's just talk quickly, because we don't have a lot of time. Can we talk about your fish nook? Yes, definitely. Uh, I am actually starting fish nook on August 1st and oh. 2nd. Which is I'm really Announcing excited. Announcing here, Fishnook. Yes. <laughs> a foodie and the Beast exclusive. <laughs> yes, so Fishnook, I did it uh, last year. Uh, I did it for almost like eight or nine months. Mm-hmm. It is a really interactive, really close. It's I have this small area in my kitchen, which mm-hmm. I designed the restaurant for. Uh, it's for four seats, four mm-hmm. bar seats. It's like a countertop. So uh, you come in the restaurant, you sit literally in the kitchen in front of my stove, Mm-hmm. And I just cook a five-course meal for you. Oh wow! And it's pretty much I cook. I do everything in front of you, except right. it's a you know like a soup that needs to be stewed or uh, cooked for a long time. Uh, you know, like I butcher the fillet of fish, break down the lobster, mm-hmm. clean the scallops, uh, the oysters, shocked oysters in front of you. It's like literally very interactive, really cozy, I think, and it's it's almost like an experiment. I feel, it. and it's great because the menu changes. Uh, many the farmers market actually dictates the menu a lot, because mm-hmm. I go to the farmers market on Sundays to pick the produce and just you know like take my time to make make the menu. All right, yeah. I got to jump in because we got to move really on. Excited. Let's take everybody to where is Drift? Okay, we are located on Seventh Street in Shaw, which uh, I'm really proud. Of. It's 1819 Seventh Street, right next to the Shaw Metro stop. Mm-hmm. We are literally like 20 yards. <laughs> well, thank you so much for joining us today, and thank well, you. Well, we should in. say, I mean, if, if what food. we tasted today is any right. indication, go to drip. Hey, I, I got some lobster sliders too. Okay, you pass try them over. Them. Yeah. Everybody dig in. Yeah. Okay. Come on, guys. Yeah, all right. All right. Where's Tim Ma? Tim Ma, grab a mic. Tim Ma, grab a mic. Here, babe. I'll give you thank a lobster you. slider. Thank you. So, Tim. Hi, Tim. Hello. How's it going? It's the late Tim Ma. Yeah. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I'm here. So. You, you I, let's talk about your past first because you did not start off to be a chef. You were an engineer, and I assume not running trains. You were building things, right? <laughs> were you a software engineer, and, or uh, I was a hardware engineer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I worked in the actually in the defense industry for almost ten years before I started. I've only been cooking for about eight years at this point. So you were a pawn of the military industrial establishment. <laughs> sure. Okay. So <laughs> and then what happened? Um. Restaurants were always in my family. My mm-hmm. uncle owned a very successful restaurant in New York um, back in, like, the 80s and early 90s. Uh, and my parents actually owned a restaurant as well until, uh, you know, a chef opened a restaurant across the street from them. Um, and the only two Chinese restaurants in Arkansas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, seriously? Uh, and that's actually For why... For the only two Chinese families in Arkansas. <laughs> yeah, when, we, when my parents got naturalized, we were on the front page of the paper. It was, really? It was that era of time in Arkansas where it still might be. Um, <laughs> and so that's actually why I got into cooking, um, was that experience that my parents had, was they got upheld by a chef. And so I went to culinary school. If I'm going to open a restaurant, which was the ultimate goal, mm-hmm. um, know how to cook. Right. So then who, where did you wind up cooking first before you opened up? What was your first one, Maple? Maple Ave Restaurant right. in Vienna, Virginia was the very first restaurant, which mm-hmm. I actually don't own anymore right. or, or, or am a part of anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, and then many years later. Water and Wall. Water, water and Wall. wall right. right. Um, and then... 
crazily opened two restaurants in the past eight months. I know, but so wait, so one is the sandwich place, right? Correct. Chase the Submarine. Chase the Submarine. Where is that one located? That is actually right behind Maple Ave right. in Vienna, Virginia. That's which what I thought. The original intent was different from what actually happened. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so tell us about Chase the Submarine first and what you're doing there, <clears throat> and then we're going to take a quick break, and we'll hear all about Curacao. So Chase the Submarine is kind of um, just like a very casual sandwich butcher shop, mm-hmm. um, but sandwiches in my style. So literally, I consider it a restaurant, even though it's a sandwich shop, because okay. we do restaurant stuff and just happen to put it into pieces of bread and sell it like that. Like? Give us an example. Um, like the the pastrami. Mm-hmm. Uh, it started not just as pastrami. We used Wagyu beef, American Wagyu. Um cured the brisket, smoked the brisket in-house, and then did a carrot ferment instead of, like, a cabbage ferment, like a a sauerkraut or anything Mm -hmm. like that. Um, And so, like, we twist things and do things very much like we would do in a restaurant rather than, you know, just bringing everything in. You're chefing it up a bit. That's a great way to put it. (laughs) Okay. What she said. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We're going to take a quick break. This is David and Nikki Nellis with Foodie and the Beast. We're back with Tim Ma, and we're going to be talking about his new place, Kirasan, in Shaw. All right, we're back on Foodie and the Beast with David and Nikki Nellis. Uh, before we get back to the show, I just want to thank the folks that support the show. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, don't be embarrassed. You can always get on the bandwagon. That but our friends accurate. at ProFish and John Rorapaw there, uh, Clyde's Restaurant Group, the Black Restaurant Group, mm-hmm. Jeff and his team, and Celebrity Cruises. Yes. I'm going to tell you more about our cruise coming up, Nikki's cruise I coming up. I will tell you more about my cruise well, coming up. Well, I'm going for free. As board. far as I'm concerned, it's our cruise, too. Totally uh, free. But, but anyway. let's get back to Tim Ma. So now you've got... Tim Ma's making a mess over That's in the right. corner. There's, there's a lot in front of me right <laughs> That's now. That's right. You, you're a chef, but you're Tim clearly Ma not a... up late. You're not an easy okay. eater. Yeah. So, so now you've got this new place. And, uh, well, let's uh, talk I, about the inspiration yeah, behind Curacao. Uh, that's a great story. Why um, jump into it again? So Maple Avenue was this shack of a restaurant, nine tables. In mm-hmm. the back, there's this tented area. We started, um, actually very similar to the fish nook, we started doing um, these small tasting tables of six to eight people, just chef's choice of whatever you want at the chef's mercy on four Ikea tables and eight Ikea chairs, the most rickety thing. And it was a tented area. When it rained inside, it, when it rained outside, it rained inside. Uh, most disastrous thing that you could ever do, but we would serve these elaborate tasting menus in the back. That's actually what the inspiration for Curacao was. And so when you walk into Curacao and you see this big communal table in the middle of it, that was an ode to our eight IKEA tables. What does Curacao mean? So Curacao, um, we have t- three children, uh, and so their generation name is Quinn. Um, so that's where the of Kirasan started. But there's so much more. <laughs> and then behind it is actually just for our three kids, E, R, San in Chinese. Um, just we rearranged two of the letters, and it's Quinn one two three. Okay, I love that. Very That's nice. So, cool. so, so, all right. Well, the concept. So, from this tasting table, we wanted to expand what we were doing. So we we were always limited by either kitchen or, um, you know, the space that we had, and so we built the space to our specs and. Um, with that in mind, doing these dishes that were, um, I wouldn't say fancy or anything like that, but just more involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's kind of what we're putting out on the plate right now. But you did a really interesting design. I mean, I love the look of the space. Um, you sort of went, you know, I just feel like a lot of restaurants these days, there's a lot of very similar looks out there. Not that there's anything wrong with it. They're all beautiful in their own way. But, you know, you have that big sort of V-shaped bar in the center you're i think you're allowing for a lot more different kinds of dining experiences was that intentional so grizz from grizz form designed the space and Mm -hmm. he's 
amazing and talented at what he does. And really, I just went to him and be like, Grizz, you be Grizz, and, mm-hmm. and this is what I want. Make it different. That was really the only specification or requirement. Um, you know, nothing, again, nothing wrong with, like, reclaimed wood or, like, you know, the whole kind of rustic feel. We were mm-hmm. like, just make it different from everything else that you're seeing. And I think he accomplished that with the angles, the tables, just like the little minute details that he puts into it. But it's not intimidating, and that was a thing. You know, sometimes I walk into places, and Nikki's got a different view of all these places. When it's like, I walk how can in, a restaurant intimidate yeah. you? <laughs> it can. It can. It depends. If you, I mean, if it's overdone, you know, uh, maybe it's my pocketbook talking up through the back of my pants, but that doesn't sound right. But... But I mean, you know, well, there it, are so it, many things I could say <laughs> at this moment, but I'll just save it until. But I mean, really, there. when you think about it, it's, it's a very welcoming environment. That's exactly the word that we use. Make it like you're welcoming somebody home. Tell mm-hmm. Nikki that. <laughs> and so, like, you see, like, the windows, like the triple pane windows in the front. You look mm-hmm. at it, and you look like you're looking at somebody's house. Yeah. Yeah. But, no, absolutely. It uh, definitely uh, has. And that, then when yeah. you walk in, hopefully, you know, the feel from the welcome, the staff, the drinks, the food makes it all feel well, like who it. did your cocktail program because we'd be remiss not to mention it because so, it's um it's very creative so um tim russell is mm-hmm. his name uh he's my beverage director at Kirasan. um he actually worked for me at water and wall okay and left me for another restaurant which will not be named okay um but and he's then, back <laughs> but he's back and um he's taking hold of it like we're taking uh, like every day i sit down with him like okay treat this like a kitchen like you know Try and do things that we're doing and, like, come in and, and make your tonics and make mm-hmm. your syrups and think of the drinks a little bit from a different angle. And I think he's really done well with that. Yeah, they're beautiful. You know, Lots of interesting. I mean, much like what they're doing here, yeah. like with interesting toppings. You know, he does a beautiful flower. Yeah, we're going to take the dollar bill thing. That's awesome. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, perfect. Yeah. Right. You know, I mean, six I'm weeks from now, Tim will be walking around. Yeah, we use sous vide. Does, does anyone Wait, else? I can't remember. Can we buy you drinks? Your menu, oh, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So on the menu, you can buy the kitchen and the bar right. drinks, right? Every day that happens, and it's awesome. It's we so, sent so, you guys beers. We yeah. figured you needed it. I think it. we sent you shots of whiskey. So, so even no, after didn't. like after 9 o'clock, mm-hmm. um, sometimes we'll, we'll, if the guest is so inclined, buy a shots. And by all means, we don't need to drink all of it, so we share it with the people who buy it with us. And so we all take shots. <laughs> I didn't get a beer. <laughs> I, I, go back. I think you did just yeah, I got to go fine. back for my beer. Uh, but it's very, it's very, uh, it's a fun way to um, show thanks to the kitchen, which doesn't always get the same. No, like, it's nice. A, a it's tip nice. is the appreciation to the front of the house, and then the kitchen's appreciation is. Yeah, they don't want um, money. They just want booze. Yeah. All right. Let's tell everybody where Kirasan <laughs> is. Uh in Shaw. Uh, Kirasan's um, at 1924 8th Street uh, in the Shea development. The next, Shea. Yeah, the Shea. The sexy Shea. Yeah, right at um, 8th and Florida. 8th cool. And, right. and it's got a beautiful outdoor patio. Yeah. Maybe just, a little steamy right now, but later on, not yeah, so much. Maybe, maybe a little bit. And you guys later. open, you're just open for dinner? We're open for dinner seven days a week right now. Okay. Is lunch or brunch coming up? Brunch is coming. Okay. Very, very All soon. Right. Excellent. All right. Thank you. All right, my friend. Last chance to talk about Bo. So, um, first of all, these drinks, every one of these drinks has been great. Thank right. You. Thank so you. are you like, you know, kind of like what we heard, a mad scientist in the kitchen making your potions and sous vide? Exactly. You're trying to bring the kitchen to the bar. So we're trying to do that kind of method. Well, I mean, he's with... doing all the sous vide. Right. So is it, that's what I said. So is there anything in the in the works that you haven't announced yet, like a new drink that we should hear about now? The new one right now that I'm going to do is going to be uh, Saucy, Naughty, and Audacious. Oh, what a, what a, what a? Saucy, naughty, and audacious. Okay. At her age, hearing is a... I'm sorry. <laughs> Problem. Suvid basil vodka with uh, jalapeno water and fresh lime juice and has uh, ginger syrup. All right. So yeah. when you make a jalapeno water, is it just soaking jalapenos No, you just chop some jalapeno and you boil it with the water. And, and just you let boil it. And sit and cool down with the seeds inside. And then you let it drain. You just let it drain. And then you just... And how it. long does something like that last? Like, how long can you let that sit on your shelf? Or I guess... We do, <laughs> pretty much, we do every week, new you, batch, okay. weekly. It goes and fast. what is the turnover with all the products? Like, so for your vodkas, since you sous vide it, how long, they last? They long, last, yeah, because right? it's, it's last alcohol. Forever. It's, yeah. Yeah. Right, it's better right. than infusing, because when you infuse the old-fashioned way, you know, you just put it in the dark room. Well, they can room also separate, it. too, can't they? When no, the sous vide happens quick, so you can take the fruits or whatever you're infusing the uh, spirits with. And it can stay just vodka. But if you do like the regular infusing, it stays, let's say you put fruit 
inside the fruit might go bad, and then the liquor would change color, right. and everything was sad. You are a mad scientist, and Tim Ma's making taking notes over here. <laughs> <laughs> little <laughs> iPhone, he's got a mini that's iPhone. Why, oh. That's why the basal vodka is so clear. You don't see dollar any. bill. I'm gonna make it a two yes. dollar bill. <laughs> So which one was that that you just held up? This vodka? is a basil vodka. The basil vodka. Yeah. Oh, I want to smell that. All right. And where, let's tell everybody where Bo is. Bo is uh, located on uh, 777 9th Street. Right um, in Penn uh, Quarter. Where yeah. Oya and, used uh, to be. Right. Same place. Cool. Okay. All right. You've been great. All right. Thank get cracking. All right. Let's let, me. let you make that next cocktail. Okay. You want me to get into the Get tips? into it. Let's so talk about it. So we just had a huge party on Monday night. At G by Mike Isabella, and it featured uh, Mike Isabella, obviously, uh, Marjorie Meeks Bradley, Derek Brown, and David Guas. Those four uh, chefs are all joining me, Nikki Nellis, on Celebrity Cruise. And, yes, David will be there. But I've been very fortunate. In my Speedo. Thank you. <laughs> A G-string, actually. Um, oh, yeah. I'm very, very fortunate. Celebrity Cruise has tapped me to be their uh, regional uh, ambassador and asked me to curate a cruise of D.C.'s best. And we have booked an incredible trip that uh, starts in Miami and goes to Cozumel, Jamaica, Grand Cayman, and a little island off of Haiti. It is a super fun trip. Uh, obviously, we have great people coming. There'll be demos, uh, cooking classes. Uh, there'll be a fantastic reception and an excursion, all of which is included in the trip, as well as upgraded dining and upgraded beverages. So, well, I have to. It's my turn since okay. I'm the one that's the cheap guy. The prices. Is unbelievable. They really put a great price on this thing. Mm-hmm. I can even say it's seventeen hundred and eight dollars for, for all of this per person. Miami to Miami, you'd still have to get to Miami, but um, that's but that's all a new. crazy price. <laughs> yeah, no, it's an incredible opportunity, and it's a great group of people. They all play really well in the sandbox, and everybody really likes to have a good time. And we had this amazing launch party. We did a yacht rock party on Monday night, which uh, played lots of uh, Christopher Cross and Holland Oates, and everybody donned uh, captain's hats, and we all had a lot of fun. And so we're really looking forward to the trip. It leaves on January 28th. And uh, um, we hope you all join us. After inauguration, everybody's going to need a trip. That goes without saying. So if you're interested, go to dcchefspluralcruise.com, and all the information is there. Exactly. And uh, actually, we've we got to go. A bunch of staterooms have been locked up, so get on it if you're going to do it. Right, going, going, gone. So we want to thank all of these people in studio today. Thank you so much for joining thank us. You. We have delicious drinks and delicious food. And delicious talk. And next week will be an even better show. Well, maybe not better, but it'll be just as good. Well, I'll be here. <laughs> I'll be here. So everybody make it through the heat and please have a delicious week.